The Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Mike Page, Logan Brand, Jack Wright, and Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. All right, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bear Down Report Podcast. For Jack Wright, Mike Page, Logan Bradley, I'm Ryan Dangle. We are going to be talking about the Chicago Bears winning a football game. There are so many things to talk about in this game. I almost don't even know where to get started. But the first question I'm going to throw out to you guys, favorite part of this game, favorite part of this win, or maybe just one thing in particular, you just want to say, hey, the Bears did a really good job of this. It was cool to see defensive plays that were game-changing. I mean, it feels like it's been a long time since we've seen Khalil Mack do something almost trademark Khalil Mack, which is, you know, the sack he had in the end zone today, along with many other things. So it was good to kind of see the Bears get back to just being the Bears and making those game-changing defensive plays. Obviously, there were other great things that happened, but for me, that was just the one big takeaway. It was refreshing to be able to watch a game and have those moments where you go, all right, that's the Chicago Bears defense. Yeah, just to add on to that, too, the Bears played really, really good complementary football today. All three phases, offense, defense, and special teams, that hasn't happened in a really, really long time. And it was just so nice to see that. Offense, offense, offense. Electric offense. I can probably tell I really enjoy a great offense. I mean, what a joy to watch them run up and down the field. What a joy to watch Monty pop a run right out of the gate. I mean, I don't think he's ever just run away from the entire defense nearly untouched and scored a touchdown that long. That was, that was super exciting. Loved it. The, the first thing that I think we have to put into context is the Houston Texans are a bad football team and especially a bad defensive team. However, Jack, to your point, does it really matter? Do you really care at this point when you're watching uh, Allen Robinson post nine catches for 123 yards? You're watching Monty hit over the 100-yard mark. I mean, do, do you really care? He had 113 yards on the ground for gentlemen, 10.3 yards per carry. Obviously, when you have an 80-yard run, that'll do it. But uh, the thing that, that gets to me, which we'll talk about a little bit later, is he had 11 carries. That's it. I don't understand why he pops off an 80-yard touchdown run and then only gets 10 carries for the rest of the game. I, I, I can't wrap my head around that. The real surprising part is that even in garbage time, he wasn't getting handoffs. They were continuing to pass the ball in the third and fourth quarter when the Bears were up 26 points. 11 carries in, in uh, that kind of game is just weird. And... Um, yeah, I would have really liked to see him get the ball a little bit more there. You know, I, I was trying to figure out if that was going to be, be the case because, you know, I think it was last week when we came out to such a, a great start. I, I told you guys that I was going to text, like, don't forget, this is the Heartbreak Bears, and, and they broke our hearts. And I was thinking the same thing this week as well. And just kind of looking in the second half, are, are we looking to win or trying not to lose? Are we going to start turning the ball over or are we going to start going three and out? I think you guys are right. I think feed the beast. Absolutely. However, it did seem as though they kept the ball on the ground largely. 
They seem to feed Patterson, and he's been really good on those outside stretch runs, um, getting first downs and keeping the clock moving. Not great to nail down the game, but not not a tragedy like last week. And I frankly don't really want to question Bill Lazor a whole lot right now just because he's been so great the past couple games. And we called it a few weeks ago, guys. We all said when Matt Nagy gave up play calling that – things were going to get better and that it was going to take three or four games for us to really see the fruits of that labor. And look what's happening the past two games, you know, 30 plus points in back-to-back games. And uh, I just can't say enough about Bill Lazor. So I don't necessarily want to give him too much flack, especially considering the bears won 36 to seven, but um, you know, they should really just be giving the ball to Monty more because I like watching Monty run as well. It's an entertaining part of the game for me. Personally, I wasn't really sure that turning play calling over to laser was really going to change that much. I think I might've been the only person who was kind of skeptical about it, but it's undoubtedly been better outside of the fact that they're not giving Monty the ball enough. And something that I kind of was thinking a little bit today was a comment I made to you guys the other day when we were watching Thursday Night Football. I was watching this Sean McVay offense, and it just looks so much different than it did a few years ago. Sean McVay, I think philosophy-wise, is sort of similar to what Nagy would want to do usually offensively. And McVay has kind of changed what he's doing offensively with the Rams and it's working. It's boring, but it's working. He runs the ball. He runs it with Cam Akers. They're really, really talented rookie and they look good offensively Thursday. Is it exciting? No, not really, but I kind of saw something maybe sort of similar today, which was adjusting to players' strengths. He got Trubisky outside of the pocket way more than he has in games past and that led to him being a lot more successful he they did more play action he was 9 of 11 on play action and it led to the fourth best passer rating of his career so I don't know if it's a wholesale change or if it was just today but it was good to see whether it was Nagy or Laser kind of almost swallow their pride a little bit and maybe try something a little bit different that's outside of their comfort zone and it really does seem to be working I think so far there's we talked a lot about how it seemed like there was almost this crippling effect with uh, Matt Nagy calling the plays, no flow, no rhythm, no originality. And it seems like Laser really does have a good feel for it. Um, not only is there a rhythm, there's a bit of creativity. Uh, and think about the ball being spread around. I mean, think about the guys that touched the ball today, um, you know, both passing and running. And, and you wonder too, I just kind of thought of it, Mike, as you were talking I wonder to what extent that is uh, part of, uh, you know, Mitch's newfound confidence. You know, maybe he is now being put in a position to be successful. That is ultimately what a coach's job is. And perhaps, you know, um, laser tries easier, makes him feel more comfortable, gives him better reads. I don't know. Maybe that's giving him too much credit too early, but there's a marked change. And again, you're right, Ryan Houston, not so great, but we're going to celebrate, right? Over the last three games, Mitchell Trubisky has 776 yards, seven touchdowns to two interceptions, and a shiny quarterback rating of 103.2. Now, I know we're going to hear it all across the board. Mitch is not a starter. He's not the long-term answer. Gentlemen, he is the Bears' best passer. Now, I understand that's not really necessarily an award that a whole lot of people want, 
But before this game, he was sitting at an 86.1 career quarterback rating. Next behind him is Jay Cutler at 85.2. And obviously this 126.7 rating that he had today is, is going to increase that. I, I, I wrote about this today and I understand that I'm a broken record and I, and I know that I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, but, but it's okay. I, I just wish there was somehow some way that they could send Nick Foles and Nick Foles's contract packing because Mitch is clearly the better quarterback. I was thinking today about how impactful that benching was to Mitchell Trubisky. I saw a lot of things on Twitter and Facebook and, and just talking with some other folks about, you know, what if Mitch had been the starter for the past seven games? What if they never took Mitch out of that game three against, I believe it was the Falcons and replaced him with Foles? What would the Bears record be at that point? Well, frankly, I'm under the impression that the benching was really significant to Mitch's growth. And I'm really curious to know what you guys think about, about kind of coming back and, and having the perseverance from, from that kind of scenario. I mean, for me personally, I remember, so I was a college gymnast. I always make the claim at first, obviously I understand gymnastics and football are nothing alike whatsoever, but there is still that same mental thing. And my sophomore year, I did pommel horse. I'm sure not many people out there maybe know what that is, but it's kind of a really mental event. And I was in this big rut and I couldn't hit anything. And I've, I'd been good throughout my whole career, but eventually it came to a point kind of where I was taken out of the lineup for a few meets, which was something I never expected to happen. And from that point, I kind of had to flip the way that I thought about approaching practice and approaching meets that there were, you know, one to two meets that I didn't even travel to because at that point I wasn't performing the way that I needed to. So it flipped the way that I thought about training and it flipped the way that I thought about competition. And I have to think that at least in some way, there has to be some similarity to where, once Mitch, that, this is probably one of the first times in Mitch's football career that he's truly just been told, well, you're not a starting quarterback because obviously when you go through high school, you're very talented. College, he didn't have too many starts, but he was very talented and he was the best quarterback on North Carolina's roster. So I, I would assume there was probably a mental flip that, that needed to be made and that was probably made over that time period. And it was, you know, it was a good thing for him. So, gentlemen, let me ask this. If Mitchell Trubisky had been the starter, do the Bears have a different record than they do right now? Or is it exactly what Logan is talking about, where he needed to be benched to have this happen? I think, I think it is exactly what Logan was talking about. I mean, I was even thinking about times when I would walk over to players that I had that had gotten hurt, you know, good players, starters, and – you know, I always took the opportunity to say, it's a lot different view from over here, isn't it? And they, you know, practice is very mundane, you know, high school, college, NFL. And I think you sometimes can go through the motions, maybe in an unthinking, maybe unmotivated way. And when it's taken away from you, when it's taken away from Mitch, or when some of my student athletes would get hurt, all of a sudden, they would look at it and be like, I would give anything to be out there. The last thing I want to be right now is hurt, you know? And so there's almost this, I can't believe I took this great opportunity for granted. 
So, you know, whether it was a mental flip or maybe it was a, you know, wow, this, this is my shot. Some, something I think switched. I think it was the right move to make. It wouldn't be a tragedy though, if they have made a series of bad mistakes, you know, putting them in a bad situation right out of the gate with the offense or the play calling, or maybe the relationship with Matt Nagy, maybe putting him in a bad position by, you know, yanking him after three games. And now what if he's in another bad position because he's actually played well and he's not signed. And now maybe the bears are in a bad position because they'd like to keep him. Ah, that would be really unfortunate. Unfortunately, they're they're locked to Nick Foles' contract, and Nick Foles, I I'm I'm a broken record. I don't think he's very good, and I I think that there's got to be a little bit of buyer's remorse right now on that situation because their their cap situation is just not very friendly. Mitch got a lot of help today. We already mentioned David Montgomery. One thing that I have been thinking a lot about over the last forty eight hours are Chicago Bears tight ends. Now, at this point of the season, between Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet, you're looking at 529 yards and eight touchdowns. Now, one of the problems that this team had last season was no production out of the tight end. If I had told you guys, hey, Jimmy Graham, we're going to sign him, we all kind of make that face like, why? What's this dude doing? But he's got six touchdowns, and Cole Komet, who looks better and better and better sitting with two touchdowns over the last couple of weeks. What do you guys kind of think about that tight end position? Well, I'm really happy to see Cole Komet kind of up and coming. A lot of people discussed how rookie tight ends don't typically do well. And in fact, the, the tight ends that he most compares to, which are uh, Kyle Rudolph and Jason Witten, both had really subpar rookie campaigns and, and just started – amping it up during that second year. So now that we're in that final quarter of the season, I think that we can see Cole kind of stepping up a little bit. And I'm really excited about Cole because he does have the strength and the hands of a Jason Witten or a Kyle Rudolph, but he's also more fluid and he's faster than both of them. So I'm really, really excited to see him uh, get going. He broke some, some, pretty big tackles today ran for extra yards after, after those broken tackles. And it was really, really fun. And I'm super happy just to see them throw the ball to Jimmy Graham in the end zone. Again, it seemed like the, there was a few games there where we just completely went away from that in the red zone, just throw the ball to Jimmy Graham. I mean, we talked about that, you know, at nauseum and they finally came through. I will say I loved the play design of the Jimmy Graham touchdown today because I think you had like a trips formation over the right with Allen Robinson lined up behind three receivers. And then you had Jimmy Graham out wide to the left and you could see some of those linebackers pointing at Allen Robinson. And even me, when I was watching the game, I was thinking, well, it's going to be a screen to Al a bubble screen to Allen Robinson. Those three receivers are going to block and, you know, hopefully get into the end zone. And immediately it was a fade to Jimmy Graham. So I thought that play design getting him kind of out on an Island, was really nice and uh, kind of impressive. It, I think it was even quads. It was like almost like a diamond formation there at the bottom of the screen at the right-hand side of the field. And if you remember, we actually scored a touchdown with that exact same formation in the exact same part of the field against the Packers two weeks ago. And so this is what coaches do. They self-scout. They kind of get the sense of what other 
teams are going to be how those other teams are going to be approaching your offense. So yeah. Okay. Let's do that diamond formation on the, on the right hand side again, and then just throw Jimmy Graham on the left. I think you're right, Logan. It was an awesome, it was an awesome play design with an additional component of like a self scouting, almost like a trickery, knowing that the other team had seen this formation on tape before against the Packers so let's throw a little twist into this formation. I mean, I think it is exciting. I think it's a, a sadly, it's a one game sample. You know, in other words, I do think Jimmy Graham has done a nice job catching touchdowns in the end zone, but he really has been pretty quiet now for several games. And I think the real issue that I've had with the tight end position is there didn't seem to be any tight end between the 20s. And so now what you have is an offensive coordinator who seems hell-bent on getting the ball uh, to Cole Komet, who, by the way, is a Notre Dame grad and seemingly is ridiculously good-looking. I might have a man crush on that guy. But he, Laser seems to be targeting him, and that's pretty nice to go through the rest of the season to have somebody who's a, a tight end, a big, tall, rangy tight end in Graham who can catch tutties, and then maybe have somebody that seemingly is a little bit more mobile and can get open between the 20s. And ultimately, it's come together nicely because it does seem as though um, they talked about how such how big of a stud Cole Komet was, you know, all spring training. And then it was just like, well, then where is this guy? And he it seems as though, especially in the last two or three games, he's gained some real fun momentum. Yeah, I'm not sure what his snap share was today, but I know leading into this game, the past three games, his snap share has increased every single week. And today he was second in the team in targets to Allen Robinson, which really says a lot about probably the trust that they have gained in him over the year and the kind of work that he's been doing behind the scenes. Because as a rookie tight end, as we talked about earlier, rookie tight ends, it's hard to come in and just make an impact. You probably have to earn that. So it's good to see that his playing time has increased, his targets have increased. And we've talked about it on this podcast, I have specifically that it's really frustrating early in the year, not seeing him involved. So it definitely is for the future. If you want a bright spot, that's a big bright spot. The fact that he is being involved and he's being productive. So Jack, thinking about your point that you just brought up, Notre Dame is serving the Chicago bears incredibly well right now. I have talked about him endlessly. Sam Mustafer seems to have locked down the center position. For at least from, from, from my point of view, he seems to have that locked down. Cody Whitehair at guard. Uh, Alex Bars has played significantly better than he did at the beginning of the season. Uh, all, you know, looking at all these Notre Dame products, uh, it, it's done really well. Now, Logan, to your point, Allen Robinson. I mean, this dude has 1,000 yards with Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles at quarterback. And there are still four games left to play. What's going to happen with this guy? I could not tell you what is going to happen with Allen Robinson, but I can tell you that somebody named Mike Page, I think, owes an apology to Allen for calling him not a number one wide receiver on this podcast because that man, was it Mike, was it Mike Page? Sorry, I apologize. It was somebody else. I, it might have been Ryan Dangle. Who knows? Doesn't matter. Wasn't me. That's the biggest point. The fact of the matter is he is absolutely a number one wide receiver. Maybe he's not an alpha. Maybe he's not up there with Devontae Adams and Julio Jones and all of those, but he is 100% a number one wide receiver. I just 
need that to be known because I know that Alan is going to listen to this podcast later and he needs to hear that for his, his own ego. That was Dangle. What? No, no, it was not. It was Jack Wright, and he's he's got that look on his face, folks. I wish you could see it right now. I have uh, no idea what you're talking about, Ryan. I so apologize he, for slandering Mike Page's <laughs> name and Ryan Dangle. So, folks, here's the thing. He doesn't have top-end speed. He, he's not going to do that, but... But think about the production that this dude has had with Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles. I mean, he's never had a top-tier quarterback throwing him the ball. But all he does is just make great contested catches. Do you know what was my favorite play by Allen today? There were several slants to Allen across the middle. And and Allen does this thing where he just kind of like falls down. Uh, on the slants across the middle. He just falls down, falls down, falls down on every single slant. And today, uh, after catching a few slants and after falling down right in the middle of the field like he usually does, Alan caught a slant and then he just took off and he didn't fall down and he like found a crease and he ran for like another 15 or 20 yards. And I think it just shocked everybody watching because everybody was just expecting him to just fall flat down. It was awesome. You absolutely are right. That was shocking to me. My uh, sophomore son, Jack, had just said, Dad, how come A-Rob never gets any yak? He never has any yards after the catch. It's almost like his legs just go dead when he catches the ball. But that was not the case on that play. And it was so fun to watch, right? I mean, there were so many moments like that where it was like, oh, all of a sudden Mitch Trubisky uh, kept on a read option. Like we talked about kind of all week on Twitter and Bear Down Report and on the breakdowns and, and he kept and he had a nice run. And all of a sudden A-Rob is, is making a catch, making a fake, finding a seam up the center of the field and get, getting some yak yards. I really appreciated his competitiveness today. And maybe we'll talk about this in a, bit, in a minute, Ryan, but it seems as though as much as we're kind of dogging Matt Nagy, there was some spark today. They seem to be playing for something or someone. And, and Matt Robinson or Alan Robinson, he, I mean, lots of grit and competitiveness. He caught everything that came his way. And it was pretty clear that he, you know, he, he played a number one today because he's like, we're not going to lose this game, boys. And that was clear. Yeah. Do you know what else he did today? He blocked on there. There was this one play. It was Darnell Mooney's touchdown pass where he kind of swung around to the right and you know, they reviewed it because he might have stepped out of bounds. It was like really, really close. But if you rewatch that play, both Anthony Miller and Allen Robinson are trucking their dudes like 10, 10 yards back, just driving them that, you you know, you'd kind of see it in one of those football drills or just drive your feet, drive your feet. And it was just so much fun to watch. You watch a lot of Allen Robinson blocking plays and it's just kind of sad and obnoxious. And it was so cool to see him kind of giving a crap today in that area of the football field. And so I'm really curious to know where that spark came from this week at practice, what happened, uh, because I want to see that happen again. Well, part of me thinks that it was from last week. The reason why they don't convert that fourth down is not David Montgomery. It's Allen Robinson. He has an opportunity to dive for that first down and doesn't get it against the Detroit Lions. And he gets it in this game. I also want to put it out there, Jack, to your point, is that Matt Nagy is not calling plays. It's Bill Lazor. And I, it, this offense is much better under Bill Lazor. There's one other guy that I think has been incredibly consistent at scoring that we haven't been talking about. 
this dude needs a new contract really bad. You guys know who I'm talking about, right? Got to be Cairo Santos. Are we going to talk about a kicker? Is that what's going to happen next? 18 for 18 in his last 18 attempts. Gentlemen, that's the Bears have a kicker, and they needed to sign him last week. Give that man a contract. Uh, Eddie Pinheiro, thank you so much for your time. We will see you later. Cairo Santos is the Chicago Bears kicker. I didn't think about it really until you mention it now, how refreshing it is that we have not talked about a kicker this year. At the beginning of last season before the season started was a hellscape talking about all of those kicker practices in Bourbon A. It was the worst. So I, it is true. He, de- he deserves all the credit in the world because every time he stepped up for a kick this year, I really haven't had to worry about it. And I don't think many people have just because you don't think about it because Cairo has been really good. So he does deserve all the credit, all the praise because he's been phenomenal this year. Gentlemen, let's hop over to the defensive side of the football There's a guy that we've been talking about quite a bit since he showed up here that has played lights out. And I think you guys know exactly who I'm talking about, who wasn't even on this team at the beginning of the season and has just, every time he's on the field, I just think I want to see more of this guy. It's probably Mario Edwards Jr. Two sacks today. He looks good. We should, we should definitely look to resign, resign Mario Edwards Jr. Absolutely. Him and Bilal Nichols. I, it, it just seems that once Eddie Goldman gets back, you're going to have a really, really nasty defensive line. Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman, Mario Edwards Jr., Bilal Nichols. That's, that's, that's a really good defensive line. And that brings us back to what we talked about last week, which is Jay Rogers. If, and we will get to this maybe later in the podcast, talking about what the state of the Chicago Bears coaching is right now, but let's say if we are looking at a head coach, I mean, just curious, what do you guys, do you think he should be a candidate for the job or does he just stay put where he is? It'd be nice to keep him. You know, it was tough to watch that Rams game and see, you know, obviously Fangio's gone and then Fangio's disciple is now a wizard of a defensive coordinator at, uh, you know, at the Rams. And so, you know, I guess I, I don't necessarily have the background on Rogers to make the comparison, but when, you seemingly have somebody that is an impact coach, uh, it, you know, it'd be awfully nice to keep him. I think there's just so many question marks, you know, are they going to clean house? Are they going to fire anybody? I, you know, I, I really don't know um, what's going to happen next, but probably the best decision he seemingly has made so far is that uh, urban's snap shares are almost zero. He had a sack today, Jack. Maybe did Deshaun Watson trip and fall into him or, uh, perhaps he, I, I don't know how that happened, Mike. It's, it, it's shocking to me. Yeah. Brett Urban's kind of following the law of averages. I think he was graded as like the third best defensive tackle for the first 10 weeks or something like that. Unlimited snaps, of course, and as a backup for Akeem Hicks, but I think he's finally kind of following that law of averages, uh, he's, he was increasing his snap count a lot, especially when Akeem Hicks went out uh, a few weeks ago and he got exposed. So, All right, gentlemen, we've been talking lots of positives. What about negatives? Were there any negatives in this game, things that you were looking at just going, man, this is still frustrating or something that just kind of stood out to you as, as a big negative? 
Well, I think we texted about it and, you know, at the risk of being called a nitpicker again on Twitter, it is frustrating that still can't throw the ball away. Mitch, as well as he played, and I, and I want him to be good, by the way. You know, I explained that to my kids too, because, you know, I probably have been critical and disappointed about him. But man, when they drafted him, I bought his jersey. I wanted my kids to love him and him to be great. So I am glad to see him do great. But it's a, it's a disappointing thing to see him take that sack uh, that was just unnecessary and where he could have thrown it out of bounds or thrown it away and, uh, and save the, the loss. And maybe that is a little nitpicky and maybe it's just one play. But I think there are still some of those glaring inadequacies in his game that are disconcerting. And, and maybe he's beginning to, to be better and maybe he's beginning to iron those things out. Maybe that's, maybe that's the next step in his progression. I hope it is. I've got a couple things. Number one, Eddie Jackson dropped another interception today. I don't know if you saw that. He also gave up the only touchdown that the Texans had. And also the Bears winning today kind of puts us in a position where now, now I just want us to win out and try to get a playoff spot. Because if we lost today, that would have made it so much easier just to kind of let go and watch the Bears lose the rest of the season and not put so much energy into every single game. Now, with these three games, I'm going to be anxious and sweat. I'm going to be sweating during the game and, and, you know, texting you guys like crazy about, you know, what needs to go on. And I, that's a good thing, I guess. But at the same time, it's, it's coming, coming with a lot of anxiety, I guess, for the final three games. Cause now I just want us to win out. That's a good point. And I'd love to know what the Chicago bears record is over the last, let's say 10 years, once they've been, either eliminated from playoff contention or once it's super bleak because they have to be like 600 something along those lines because nobody wins football games that don't matter like the Chicago Bears they love doing it and you could argue that today mattered a little bit playoffs are still alive but my god the Bears show up when it does not really matter that much and they continued that trend today I am gonna be emotionally invested in the Vikings game next week. I didn't want to be emotionally invested. I wanted to say, Hey, I want to watch some young players get better. Uh, I wanted to find a way for the bears to increase their draft position and still look halfway decent. But now they're going to play a meaningful football game against the Minnesota Vikings, which I, I am having a difficult time wrapping my head around it. Gentlemen, I'm going to skip. We had a couple other questions, but I want to move on to this. How does this game change the way you watch the rest of this season? It's a tough question. It's interesting to watch Detroit play with the Packers. You know, I, I don't know what to make of it. I think there are more questions than answers. If Detroit can hang with the Packers, does that mean that our when we got dismantled by the Packers, like how? I mean, we're going to play him again. Do we have any chance if the season's on the line? I mean, it looked like Jacksonville played like, what did you say today, Logan? Like a poopsicle, I believe. They were uh, a, a poopy flavored lollipop. Thank you for clarifying that. And, and that's apparently how they played today, Brock Osweiler. Uh, it's not the best of quarterbacks. So 
I mean, I think Jacksonville's a win. Minnesota's within grasp. Boy, if it comes down to the Packers, that's going to be rough, isn't it? Just knowing that we have the Packers in the final game, watching the Vikings and watching the Jaguars is going to be like having a giant monkey on your back the whole time because you know that you have Packers in week three. You know you need to win out all three games. So it's just going to be really interesting to experience experience that. Jack and I talked about this before the game. Uh, we got a chance to talk with Garrick Jones a little bit about it. Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson had been on this roster, are the Chicago Bears prepping for a deep run in the playoffs? However, as I'm asking this question, Mitch clearly outplayed Deshaun Watson today. I'm, I'm you know, trying to, trying to fathom this, you know. Part of me thinks that if Deshaun Watson was on this team, that he's not the same quarterback maybe that he is now. But Bill O'Brien seems like he tried to ruin him as well, taking away his best option at wide receiver. Uh, and somehow Deshaun Watson finds a way to make plays happen where Mitch just hasn't developed into the guy that we want him to be. He's Deshaun Watson, in my opinion, is in such a horrific situation. I don't think that's a hot take by any means. He doesn't really have weapons. Will Fuller just got suspended for PEDs, who was his number one wide receiver, and he was running for his life today. I think any quarterback would have been in trouble behind that offensive line today. And if he was on this Bears team, yeah, we're, we're probably a better football team, but I'm of the mind that I hate talking about the Watson, Trubisky, Mahomes thing because it's just done. There's, there's no point in talking about it. So maybe I'm projecting right now, but, you know, that's my opinion. I think they'd be in the playoffs. And, and I think, Logan, you make a great point. It is, you know, that train has left the station. It's still difficult, I think, to watch somebody with the skills that Deshaun Watson has and, and as we all know, think about, you know, what, what seems to be one of the biggest mistakes in, in Bears draft history. And you're right. He's, he's in a hurt locker. I mean, he's, you know, almost all of the, you know, uh, wide receiver weapons, you know, or, you know, options, you know, RB two or three and uh, wide receiver three or four. And boy, when he, uh, when he pulled it down, uh, going in to the Bears goal line at the seven yard line and decided he was going to score. And he didn't. But in that moment, there's a guy who's saying, I know nothing around me is, is supportive of this team winning, but I'm going to put it on my back and I'm going to win. And when you look at like his competitiveness and his talents, um, I, I don't really even think that the two are in the, the same ballpark. Did Matt Nagy or Ryan Pace save their jobs with this game? Does this win change the way that you guys feel about either one of these guys? Logan, I want to go to you first. Uh, this is being thrown around like crazy on Twitter right now. Lovey Smith relieved of his coaching duties at the University of Illinois and was a dang good coach when he was here in Chicago. He is a dang good coach, and I, I still think that he truly is a good football coach, but there is nothing more meatball-y fan, meatball Bears fan, than to be like, Lovey Smith needs to come back and coach the Chicago Bears because that ship has sailed. Let's just not even discuss it. 
there were good times. There were good times. Don't go back to your ex just because she's available. He is available. Again, let's, let's move forward. Let's try to be a team that can have a good quarterback, have a good offense and just do something different. I don't know how many people are realistically talking about wanting him to be the coach of the bears again, but let's, let's not do that guys. This is, this is a group bears therapy session. You can let it all out if you need to on Twitter, if you want to guys, I'm not talking to this group. I'm talking about the group of bears fans specifically, but let's, let's just not make that happen again. Lovey Smith. Great guy. I think a very, very good football coach. Things didn't work out at Illinois for a variety of reasons. I'm sure that none of us know about, but I, I don't think that that should really be a discussion. I do think you're right. And the only thing I will say about Lovey Smith is, man, if that guy would have had an offensive coordinator, that would have been a really impressive run. It was already an impressive run, you know, um, but it's interesting, as I mentioned earlier, that, it doesn't seem as though we've talked a lot about the team quitting, you know, or them quitting on Nagy. And, and of course, you know, in this culture that we're in, you know, the media grabs on something. I mean, I think even we have, right. It seemed like almost a foregone conclusion that there was going to be, you know, mass firing and they're going to clean house. It makes you wonder if those guys are fighting the way that they're fighting and responding to Matt Nagy on the sidelines. I mean, there was interaction that seemed to be like, some brotherhood on the sidelines, you know, you can, you know, Ryan, I'm big on body language. You can tell when people are like, whatever, you know, F that guy. And there doesn't seem to be that way there. They seem to go out and play real hard for that staff today. I got to think though, the only way they keep their jobs is if they win out, go to the playoffs and are at least competitive in a playoff game, if not win one, which I just don't see that happening. I think you're absolutely right. I think that's the only way that they keep their job. And even then, I think, I don't know what Vegas has as, as odds, but I think it's a long shot. All right, gentlemen, it's time. Unpopular opinion. I've got one and I want to throw it out to you guys. The orange creamsicle jerseys. Never, ever, ever, ever do I want to see those things ever again. I love the 1930s uh, throwback jerseys they had today, minus the socks. The socks are a little bit much for me, but I never want to see the creamsicle uniforms ever again. Thoughts? Yeah, no, you're. I, I don't know why, but I love the orange creamsicles. Maybe it's because when I was a kid, my buddy had a Nathan Vasher orange creamsicle jersey, and I was I just wanted it so bad because I love Vasher, and I just something about I mean I went to high school that was orange, I went to college that was orange. I got to stick by my orange and and completely disagree with you, Dangle, because when that defense is swarming, those do look fresh. When are, did we start calling it the creamsicle? By the way, right? have you ever heard that before? Yeah. Many times. Really? I, I'm not the first person to use it. I, I want to say, though, this, too, gentlemen, just to try to further convince you, the Bears are 3-0 and with these 1930s throwbacks and didn't go so well with the orange uniforms this year. The helmets are boss. There's no doubt about it. Really quick, related, but you know, kind of a, a f- indirect uh, connection. You guys hear the story when Bo Schembechler took over at Michigan – and he was, he, was, he was meeting the alum and the team and the coaches and said something to the effect of, 
Well, the first thing we need to do is get rid of these wacky helmets. <laughs> and everybody just was like dead quiet, like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. So every time I see the bears wear them, I think of that anecdote because it's just really funny. And I also like, I like the helmets. I'm with you, Ryan. I'm, I'm not, I'm not down with the dream sickle. I mean, I'm definitely down with the throwback jerseys. These 30s jerseys with the striped helmets are awesome. They're my, by far my favorite Bears uniform. But I'm not on board with just, like, trashing the creamsicle jersey. I like the creamsicle jersey once a year, twice a year, maybe. Uh, but, I mean, we should definitely increase the usage of these 1930s throwbacks. I, I'm going to stick with an unpopular opinion. The Navy on Navy, which uh, hasn't boded well for the Bears in the win column, I'd much rather see that Navy pants, Navy jerseys, than I'd like to see the orange again. Now, we've got some things coming up at the Bear Down Report podcast we're pretty excited about. Uh, as we record this on Sunday night, we're getting ready to prep for Matt Lacoste, Tight end for the New England Patriots. Jack Wright and I are going to be interviewing him uh, tomorrow, and we're pretty excited about that one. Also, Brian Heifel and Kevin Olefsky are Vikings insiders. We'll be talking with them this week, and you guys know that one is going to be entertaining for sure. That's crazy, guys. Thinking about it, this we've got three podcasts coming out in one week. Incredible. For Jack Wright, Logan Bradley, and Mike Page, I'm Ryan Dangle. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Bear Down Report podcast. As always, folks, we appreciate you sharing all of our content. Please continue to do so all the way through the end of this bear season. As always, folks, bear down.